Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviret, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Taviret, a Wheel of Time podcast. My name is Rob, your host, who will uh, intro this twice because he went 10 minutes in without hitting record. And I am Rich, who's not in charge of the recording. It was not my fault this time. <laughs> eh, all right, chalk that up. Time, Rob was stupid. Check. Anyway, <laughs> so we're re-introing the pod. We are doing Chapter 33, The Dark Weights. This is a big chapter. It's a good chapter. Bill and Rich alluded to last week. A big, chunky chapter. Um, a lot of stuff happening. The boys are making their way towards Camelin. They are alone in the world, but have to make their way. Yep. <laughs> they they will do it. They're, they're on the road. They are on the road again. I mean, we do some more Willie Nelson. Yeah, I'd say on the road again with Willie Nelson. And, and Bill goes, turn the page by, by Metallica. <laughs> Bob Seger through Metallica, but still. Yep. Anyway, a quick rundown. Uh, Wheel of Time news, as, as mentioned next week, or as we mentioned in the non-recorded section sorry uh next week will be wheel of time wednesday so we're eagerly waiting what news comes from Prague. hopefully it's a tom casting but who knows we'll see we will see and we'll have that to you wednesday most likely uh what we started to do on wheel of time wednesdays is bump the pod one more day so we can get a more fresh reaction so normally we drop on wednesdays but on wheel of time wednesdays we we're going to bump that to thursdays just to friendly uh recording note we do not yep. have yeah, we do not have any new itunes reviews but we have seen a little spike it spike in our youtube subscriptions and viewings thanks to everyone who uh helps out and, and is part of this great great family uh, even across the the hashtag twitter time the all the twitter love all the reddit love youtube love this community is just insanely great and we love it and we're so glad to be a part of it. So thank you to everybody there. And as always, rate and review our podcast. If there's a way that you think we can be better, I'm sure there's plenty of ways we can be better, but if, please don't hesitate to, to give us your criticisms and lend a hand in making this the best that it can be. Yep. So that's a quick introduction now. <laughs> oh boy. Thank God Bill's not here. He would have just killed me on the spot. Nah. Yes. <laughs> so this chapter opens in a different way. As we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, the boys were nervous enough when they were riding with an Aes Sedai in a water and they were in a big group making their way into unknown lands. Then they got separated at Shadar Logoth and they ended up with Tom. Tom may not be a water or an Aes Sedai, but definitely a man of the world, a man who can hold himself in battle. So they, they kind of leaned on him. Then they got separated from him, and now it's just the two of them. And all they know is Kamer. Something will happen at Kamer. We got to make it. So they've been making the last few chapters. They've been making their way eastward, run into almost anything. They've had the dogs sicked on them from different the farmers. Dogs sicked on them. They've had farmers' daughters uh, sicked on them. Uh, unfortunately, uh, innkeepers, big and small, positive, negative. They've encountered dark friends. They've had lightning strikes. They've had all kinds of insane adventures. And now they're at this chapter. So the thought is they've had so much going on. 
how much more can happen to them? Well, according to this chapter, a lot. More stuff can happen. More stuff can always happen. So for this chapter, Jordan opens up with what I call a flash forward. Rich, do you ever watch the show Lost? Nope. Nope. Ugh. It was a good show. I enjoyed it. I was I was a big I dived in head first when that show came out. And part of the literary process or the storytelling process that they used was flashbacks during episodes. As the story was progressing, characters would have their backstories delivered to the viewer and you would learn more about the characters. Hmm. One season without telling anybody for one of the characters they gave him flash forwards and you didn't know about it. So you're watching these episodes and the main character, Jack, you're seeing his back, what you think is his backstory because they're on the island, they're lost. But when they would do the backstory, they'd be like on mainland or whatever. But for Jack, they had done what you would think is backstories until the finale when you realize it was a flash forward. And that was just the most, I'm like, oh my God, I never thought you could do a flash forward and show somebody's, future and then have the story build up to it by the finale yeah and that was just an insane way to tell a story i thought that was brilliant that's what jordan kind of does here because the boys open up riding down the road in a wagon on the back of a wagon by a guy by the name of Hyam kinch you don't know how the boys got there the last we knew they were leaving they were leaving the the dancing cartmans (sighs) yeah bill's bill's cartman impersonation (laughs) The dancing <laughs> oh man so the boys were leaving in the middle of the night after some random strike of lightning so that's how the chapter ended and immediately opens up they're in the back of a wagon we don't know how they got there and and part of the conversation the boys were in a bad way not just because of the lightning strike, but matt's eyes seem to be bugging him rand seems to be not feeling matt's like hey rand you feeling any better i'm okay you know matt how's your eyes oh they're okay too so as soon we as soon as we hear this, we're like, well, what happened? Some crap happened, you know. How the how the boys end up like this? Then it's almost like a Wayne's World, you know, dream sequence <laughs> where they faded back, and then we get the real bulk of the chapter. Before we get to that, you know, we do we do get a little bit of lore. Um, I think Master Kinch's wagon passes a whole bunch of uh, Queen's Guard. The boys see this see these Queen's Guard walk by, and they're like, wow, who are those guys? That's the kitchen, like the Queen's Guard, the, the, the Royal Army. What are you, what are you talking about? You're in an Andor here. That's 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 the army. Aren't you guys from the Two Rivers? That's part of Andor. And we kind of realize the, the the reader realizes, even though Two Rivers is within the kingdom of Andor, Two Rivers folk have never considered themselves part of a kingdom. They kind of always considered themselves their own inner state. And it's, yep, yeah, it's. It's funny because that, and it, that's one back to one of the lines. I think it might have been Master Albert. They they basically tell you two rivers take care of themselves. Two rivers folk take care of themselves. Back to the you know Ty Shar Menethrin and all that. It's weird to, for them to realize we we are part of this kingdom. Two rivers isn't part of a kingdom. We're our own place. That's yeah, so it's bizarre. it's different. It's different for them because they. I mean, they're off on their own. Mm-hmm. They don't have no no one comes to bother them. No one collect, comes to collect taxes. Nobody yeah. does anything else like that. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I understand how that they would see that. But then how would that is maybe they don't come by? I mean, how would that happen? Because Andor knows like the the Camelon, like the Queen knows 
that the two rivers is part of her kingdom. Yeah. So how is she generating income from them? If the tax man doesn't show up or they probably do, they probably send like the goods and stuff. Yeah. Two rivers to back. That's probably the thing. We send you the back. You don't tax it. I don't even know. Cause you know, if a tax man ever came to two rivers, that would be the talk of the town. Oh my strangers. Oh, tax man. What, what, what's this for? But I yep. guess that never happened. So I guess maybe Mayor Alver, you know, has trade with in back with the queen. And then that's, that's, that's the income. I don't know, but it was an interesting concept for them to realize, Oh, Oh shit. We were actually part of a kingdom. So, <laughs> oops. Yeah, oops. <laughs> after that, after they had that little epiphany about that, that's when, that's when the farmer drops them off two days from Camelin. So Rand begins to think back about the events since four Kings flashback. You know, that's when you get the Wayne's world. You know. Yep. As we mentioned, the boys left four kingdoms in the middle of the night in freezing rain. Matt ended up being temporarily blinded because of the lightning flash. I think one of the lines was Matt said he was looking directly at that spot. For the moment, temporarily blinded from the totally random lightning strike that killed Goad and all his men. So, like I said, at the end of the chapter, they just made off. But what you realize is that this lightning bolt killed the guys by the door who were making their way out. Gave the gave the boys a way out by blasting open the window, killed all the guys that were outside waiting for someone to come out the window, and didn't seriously harm Matt or Rand. So that's a lot of checker. That's a lot of boxes that got ticked off in some random lightning bolt, right? Oh yeah. Don't know what it is at this point if you're a first time reader, but as as those who know the series, this is probably one of the more telling and epic parts of the book for reasons that will be known later on. It was a slow going. I mean, there's no way that Rand was leaving Matt behind. They're trying to make their way out of that town as far as they could, as far as they can, because they could be chased by Goad, could be Hake, could be... Could be anybody, really. Could be anybody. It's dark. It's a rough road. It's cold. It's raining. And Matt can't see. But Rand's like... There's no way in hell that I'm leaving you behind. Even I think even Matt said, Rand, you got to go on. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm slowing you down. Two Rivers stubbornness kind of kicks into Rand. He's like, screw that. You're coming with me. There's no way that's happening. There's no way that's happening. One night, and then they, I think they ended up in a haystack, or they, they had to sleep. Oh, no, he made a little canopy with their cloaks, I think, under a tree. That night, uh, he had a, another Balsamon dream. He, he remembered that he was back at the Dancing Cartman. And that Goad was there sitting with him. I forget the exact description, but Goad looked like he had just been struck by a bolt of lightning. I think, I think it was like the flesh was falling off of his face or a part of his jaw fell off or something like that. And that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balsamon sitting there with Randy's like, see, my, my puppets work for me. He, he, he may be dead, but he's still serving me. He tells Goad, you've done your job well. And I guess Goad fades out. And then Jordan mentions it. Goat has this absolute look of euphoria, but then at the last second before he goes away, this immediate, immediate, oh no, kind of look and just desolation and despair as he fades out. He's happy that he pleases his master. Then he realizes the absolute shitstorm that he's currently in. And you can only imagine what kind of eternal damnation that Goat is now caught in. Hmm. Don't. <laughs> when the devil Crazy. comes up. As Ma- as Rand wakes up for the dream, Matt, also apparently having a Balsamon dream, 
wakes up screaming that he took his eyes. It it makes you think that Balsamon is in each of these boys' dreams and he's able to key in on their weakness at the moment. It's not like he's giving a generic dream to all three boys and telling them, this is me, this is a projection of me in your dream and you're going to have the exact same dream of me. Rand, he's sitting there with Goad and he's showing him, you know, what lightning, what his lightning bolt did. Matt, he's taking his eyes because he's blinded. And then as we learned in an earlier chapter, the wolves are there and Balsamon shows up and tells Perrin, this is who you got helping you, you loser. Balsamon's getting a little bit more information from these boys and he's using that to kind of tweak them in these dreams and trying to flip them to the dark side. You know, they wake up, they both say, you know, it was just a dream, but he's like, took my eyes, it's just... So that would freak me out. You know, it's a shame we don't talk about spoilers here, but I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my next note here says the boys get what seems to be their last random act of kindness. I know Rand had mentioned that. He, rem- you know, it's been so long since we had a random act of kindness. One of the one of the boys, one of the people they meet along the way from Four Kings says, "Guys, you guys looking rough. Here's a couple extra scarves. You know, my boys have plenty, so here you guys can use it." Matt is in, is incredibly thankful because that immediately now can shield him from the sun because as his eyesight slowly comes back, high midday sun is kind of making it harder. Very sensitive to light at this time. And to Matt or and to, and to Rand, this is his last. What he calls the last random act of kindness for for some time. Once again, a little bit of foreshadowing, I guess. Boys are trying to make their way, and they know that they had a good run for a period of performing or doing playing for chapter said playing for their supper but they've learned the hard way that they literally go up on stage or literally put themselves in plain sight they're going to be attracted they're going to attract dark friends or or who knows what so they kind of have a conversation where they're like listen we, we can't we can't sleep outside we can't bellies are rumbling we got it we got to try and smartly find a way to be able to play for our supper and not so much attention to us right yeah Things are, things are, the desperation is setting in. It's, after the events in, in Four Kings, they don't want anything like that to happen again. It's just crazy. In the morning, Rand is reinvigorated. He, he's got his second wind. He even thought he would, uh, I think it was the line he said. He said, he said God, I, I think I might even kiss Marina if I see her again. <laughs> Matt got his eyesight back. Everything was on the up and up. So, you know, Pep and his step, he's like, we can do this. Let's keep trudging. Then they go uh, into the next village, and they sit down to have breakfast, and they meet. Do you know who they meet? Uh, crap. I forgot who. They meet crap. No, they, they meet Piter. Oh, yes. The little, the little guy. I the call him. guy. He's a dark friend Boy Scout. Isn't he just yeah. a thing? Yeah. He's, he's, definitely, he's definitely not who you would expect <laughs> to be a dark friend, but all right. Hey, put a little 10-minute audio clip of myself uh, on the back end of your pod and I alluded to the reference that dark friends aren't always these evil maniacal lords of magic and mayhem they can be mid-level tier they could be low-level tier they could be Joe Nobody last chapter they got Hal Gold who was the merchant who had money and resources able to buy you know, big beefy men to go beat up and capture mm-hmm. boys for him but then in this town, we got Piter, who's, oh, gee, Gwilliker, guys, just come to the dark side, because that's really good, don't you know, kind of guy. 
<laughs> it's uh, the Beaver Cleaver of exactly. Uh, he is the Beaver friends. Cleaver. So I got here the the Adventures of Piter. So after begging and pleading for the boys to join the dark side, he puts his hand on Rand's shoulder because you know this he doesn't he doesn't know what these guys have been through. He just knows that the boss man wants these two boys. Have him you know, go get those two boys to me. So he's all right, I'll go talk to them for you, Balzaman. I could do that for you. So he's talking to them, and the boys are not having it. They immediately know what's going on. Matt's reaching in for the dagger. Rand's like, dude, we don't know you. You're freaking us out. I don't like this as we're going. Go away. So he puts his hands on Matt Rand's shoulder. And immediately that was like, ooh, that was not a good move, dude. And he gets decked. Rand's like, Rand just one-shots him. Boom, down to the ground. And the boys are storming out. Pater jumps back up, or Piter jumps back up with the bloody nose, and he and he yells out in public that the Dark One will swallow them whole. Which because, is not a good thing to do in the middle of town. <laughs> it was in the middle of a bar. In yeah. The middle of the and like the innkeeper looks up, and two guys that you know in their day drinking look up, and he's like, "Oh crap! Did I say that out loud?" Screams, and he runs off. He runs. I don't even. Did he run out the window, or he runs out the front door screaming? He runs out the front door. He runs out the front door screaming like a little girl. He called them out as dark friends. Then realized, oh shit! I think I just called myself as a, out as a dark friend. And Basically, he pulled, yeah. He bolts out the the door, and Rand and Matt and Rand and Matt were like, "All right, we're out. <laughs> That's our cue. Check, please." They head out. They're done. Every town has a dark friend now. Boom, 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 boom. You know, dark friend, dark. This is why I love this series of chapters so good. Is I, as the reader, am getting desolate and despaired at these boys like how can they they barely got out the last chapter literally by the skin of their teeth they got lucky that they got beaver cleaver here to try to you know, convert them to the dark side but who knows how how can they avoid this i mean they can't they can't there's an atb out for two 18 17 18 year olds one's tall red hair holding the sword and the other bow and smirk smirkish grin boys charm I mean, they kind of stand out. And I remember reading this as the first time thinking, how how are they going to get out of this at all until they reunite or if they even do reunite with the rest of their party? Boys head out of town. That's eyesight begins to come back. Okay, then in my note, I'm sorry. This is where they think they can play it and in, uh, keeping things low key, not make a big deal about it, just enough to make enough to, to eat and sleep and be able to, to fend for ourselves because what they're finding is the closer they get to Cayman, which is the same as it is here in our world, the closer they get to the big city, things are getting more and more expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they were trying to parse out money or whatever for the trip, they had no clue that things would get more expensive as you got to the big city. Matt said, my eyes are coming back. I think I can do some basic, basic middling juggling to be enough for us to make our way. Let's go to the next town. And find the right place, because as we found out now, Rand now has a skittish—I uh, don't want to say prejudice per se—but he likes his innkeepers to be plump. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It means that they're doing well. Yeah, as he's found, you know, he, he even commented with with Samuel Hake. You know, he was skinny, wasn't sure about skinny innkeepers because he's he's used to jovial big guys running running bars. And as we found out, Samuel Hake was not a good guy. So nope. that further exacerbated Rand's, I want my innkeeper's jovial big guys. So the boys investigate and negotiate with the local innkeeper in the next town over. 
And literally, as they start to negotiate, Rand becomes very, very ill. He had to sit down, fever, clammy, the whole thing. This was just as, I think, the innkeeper, like, agreed. But then he's like, dude, I can't have him on stage barfing. That won't he's be good. He's got the swine flu. <laughs> uh, he has some flu. Yeah. But he's like, you got to take your boy and get. Go, go, go. Work it off in the stables. Can't have that on stage. This is not that kind of place. While they're in the stables, Rand's fever get worse, gets worse, and he goes into a Tam-like fever dream. And this is this is this the part that I used for Reeves with Rob. Sees visions of 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 Moraine, Eggwing, Tom, Land, Min, everybody, until finally he sees a very disapproving look from Tam that wakes Rand up. And that that was the worst part was. He's seeing everybody, and they're all saying, you know, we're dead because of you. You screwed up. You were supposed to help us. You messed all this up. But then he sees Tam. Tam doesn't say a word and just looks at him disapprovingly. That was the worst. You couldn't answer yeah. that. that I mean, father I, figure. Yeah, it's your father. I mean, it's your father, and, you know, you never want to disapprove your father. A little more than he could take, and that made him shoot up and, oh, oh God. And then, you know, he woke up yep. from the dream. Oh, it's... sorry. Turning my notes, lots of notes here. While recover, while he woke up, while he was recovering, and and Matt was there with him in the stable, a random woman appears to the stables. Stables are for just women that randomly kind of walk through stables, right? Yeah. Hey, there's two boys in the stable, and there's a woman walking through it. You know, no reason to question that, right? So totally she, fine. Yeah, she sees the boys, and she sees that Rand is not good. He's working on his fever, and Matt's trying to help him. And Matt's like, I got it. We're good. Rand's like, you know, he's in and out. And the girl's like, I don't know. I can help him. Let me get, let me, let me I can get, get him up. Let's go. Let's go get him some help. Matt's like, nope, I got it. I got it. And the last second, like, I think Rand sees something. He's like, Matt, look, he, he warns him or Matt sees a flash. And we no, Matt to... ends up, no, Matt, Rand has a, uh, freaks out and thinks there's dark friends nearby and he starts swinging his sword. Oh, yeah? Yep. <laughs> And then, as we found out, this woman is an assassin, and she attempted to kill Matt. However, Matt was quicker. She threw her knife, he dodged it, and took out the ruby dagger, and he's holding it at her throat. He is kind of quick. He is kind of quick, and we'll find out There's it's more than quickness with Matt, but that's that's later down the road. Spoiler. Saying say right. more than quick isn't a spoiler. Yeah. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> But uh, a couple things here. Uh, one, the dagger that she threw, well, I think it was stuck in the side, in the wood plank on the side. Rand sees, and he's like, Matt, look at that. And the dagger, and where the dagger was sticking out of the wood was starting to smolder, I think, and burn. Yep. She had some sort of magic dagger with her as well. And the other note I have here is, I think she immediately realizes the sword or the dagger that Matt has and where it's from because she doesn't flinch and she is absolutely absolutely terrified of the dagger that Matt is holding at her throat. I think she recognizes it as a Shadar Loga uh, dagger. Yep. Freaked her out a little bit. Because if it was a regular, if, if she's as trained in assassin as she is and he just pulled out a regular old dagger, she probably was already thinking of three ways to disarm him and and, and win back the advantage but the fact that he had a shader logoth dagger at her throat she was like oh, 
Shit. Alright. I'm not I you got me. I can't there's nothing I can do. And I also want to make one uh, so what they decide to do is lock her in the stable. They take the knife and they lock her in the stable. And I'm gonna make a note here. When she gets when the, you know when they decide she they they leave her in the stable stables and they lock her up, she gets up and smooths her dress. So yep. We have our first smoothing of the dress. <laughs> I have uh, Lady Assassin as our first smoothing of the dress. Yeah. As the boys leave with her lock in the stables, I think Rand drops the drops her knife in a bucket of water and it goes. Tss. I thought that was a little cool touch. That dagger hot. That dagger, 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 dagger. That dagger is hot. That's when they make their way out of the stables and they run into our, what's his name? Mr. Hyam Kinch. Says, you boys look like you could use a ride. Hop on in. He can sit in the back, though, because he's going to puke. <laughs> but you, you sit with me because I have someone to talk to. And then that reunites us with the beginning of the chapter and gets us through. That's the end of the chapter. The good chapters. I, I think I think we kind of quickly ran through a lot of this. I know, as I meant, you know, I'm going to keep coming back to this. I we went about 10, 15 minutes in without me hitting record. <laughs> so, this is a good chapter. I mean, like I said, I normally have a page to a page and a half. I have three pages of notes of just important stuff that happened in this chapter. I mean, the events in Four Kings was one chapter, but these boys met two different kinds of dark friends. Fever dreams, Balzaman dreams, good people giving him rides and scarves. Rand is sick. Matt's, I mean, so much compacted into this chapter. I mean, what are your thoughts? Um, it's it's a good chapter. It kind of alludes to what had happened. I, I do like the flashback piece of it that they did. Yeah. Um, like I said, it, it sets it up nicely. It's still the boys traveling. You know, nothing really, you know, going on there. Yeah. There's certain things like if, I guess communication isn't like instantaneous. I mean, maybe that's just from the world we live in, but I thought there were, I thought the ravens that Perrin and Eggwing were chased by were communication vessels for the Dark One. Yeah. And they were going to report back and tell the Dark One, hey, one of your guys is here. But I guess when you're using Dark Friends, they, you don't have that kind of immediate communication because my thought is if I'm sending out Hall Goad and his cronies out to get these two boys and they die by lightning strike, I'm not sending Pater. If that yeah. He can stay, he, he can stay home. <laughs> I'm sorry, Goodfellas reference. He can stay home and shine his shoes. And he was not good. He did not. Nope. I don't think, I don't think he's going to get promoted, but then after sending him Pater, they send this assassin who I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything except to say that she does have a name and I think I think we will see her again. Okay. There's different like I mentioned, there's different tiers of dark friends. You ever you watch the Harry Potter movies, right? Yeah. So in the third movie, the the three the triple decker bus. Yeah. All right, so there was a guy that was a ticket taker and his last name was Shumper. I keep forgetting his first name. But in the books, it allude in J.K. Rowling's alludes to that you know there's wizards, there's you know you have your super, you know big super wizards like Voldemort and Harry Potter and Dumbledore, but everybody could be a wizard and doesn't have to have this immense power. And you'll have ticket takers that are wizards in that same kind of vein. Jordan has you know 
not everybody that's evil is rich and powerful. You can have your your fighters of the world, or you can have like this woman who who may be from nothings that raised herself up to be an assassin who got the bad luck of the draw trying to trying to trying to kill someone who was wielding a Shadar Logoth dagger. It's interesting to see that dynamic because yeah, I would have thought once it was realized that lightning was used against Hall Goad. I'm gonna to have to bring the farm if I if I want these two boys and they escaped one of my one of my guys with you know lightning. I'm not sending one or two people. I'm sending the farm. They're here. Move, go, get everybody <laughs> out. All all full, full on blitz. That's just my, that's just my take. It's a slow build and it's fine. It's perfectly fine. I love I love the way this builds. Like I said, it helps with the desperation and the desolation, the despair of this bo- of these boys' travels. Eastward towards Camelot. Yeah. Because it's just like there's no rest. There's zero no rest at all. They sick and tired of sleeping outside. They're sick and tired of eating scraps. They have a way to sustain themselves. They could play for their they can play for food. They can play for logics, but they can't. Draws out all the dark friends. As the reader, I was like, oh my God, what can, I mean, what's gonna do? Every town, someone new, someone new, someone new. And this is where it kind of comes to a head. Or maybe in the next chapter, we'll see what it comes to a head. But this was a great chapter, and I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was, yeah. It has a lot of good new stuff to it. Yeah, it's it a lot of good stuff, a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. So, as, as I mentioned before, let's take us to readings with Rob. I, I used, like I said, I went with Rand's uh, Fever Pitch Dream. Here we go with readings with Rob. And now, the Taveren present to you readings with Rob. Chapter 33. The dark waits. There were other visitations in the night. While Matt dozed, Rand was never sure if they were really there or not. Sometimes he looked at Matt, with his head on his chest, wondering if he would see them too if he woke. Egwene stepped out of the shadows, her hair in a long, dark braid, as it had been in Evan's field, her face pained and mournful. Why did you leave us? she asked. We're dead because you left us. Rand shook his head weakly on the hay. No, Egwene, I didn't want to leave you. Please. We're all dead, she said sadly. And death is the kingdom of the Dark One. The Dark One has us because you abandoned us. No, I I had no choice, Egwene. Please. Egwene, don't go. Come back, Egwene. She turned into the shadows and was shadow. Ma Rain's expression was serene, but her face was bloodless and pale. Her cloak might as well finish shroud, and her voice was a lash. That is right, Randall Thor. You have no choice. You must go to Tarbalan, or the Dark One will take you for his own. Eternity chained in the shadow. Only I, Sedai, can save you now. Only I, Sedai. Tom grinned at him sardonically. The glee man's clothes hung in shard rags that made him see the flashes of light as Tom wrestled with the fade to give them time to run. The flesh under the rags was blackened and burned. Trust Aesodai, boy, and you'll wish you were dead. Remember, the price of Aesodai help is always smaller than you can believe, always greater than you can imagine. And what Aja will find you first, eh? Red? Maybe black? Best to run, boy. Run! Lan's stare was as hard as granite, 
and blood covered his face. Strange to see a heron mock blade in the hands of a sheep herder. Are you worthy of it? You had better be. You're alone now. Nothing to hold to behind you, and nothing before. And anyone can be a dark friend. His smile was a wolf smile, and blood poured out of his mouth. Anyone. Perrin came, accusing, pleading for help. Mistress Alvair weeping for her daughter, and Bell Doman cursing him for bringing faith down on his vessel, and Master Finch wringing his hands over the ashes of his inn, and Min screaming in a trollic's clutches, people he knew, people he had only met. But the worst was Tam. Tam stood over him, frowning and shaking his head, and said not a word. You, you have to tell me, Rand begged him. Who am I? Tell me, please. Who am I? Who am I? He shouted. Easy, Rand. For a moment he thought it was Tam answering, but then he saw that Tam was gone. Matt bent over him, holding a cup of water to his lips. Just rest easy. You're Rand Althor. That's who you are. With the ugliest face and the thickest head in the two rivers. Hey, you're sweating. The fever's broken. That was Readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at Pod with your request. All right. Readings with Rob. I, I picked that section because, you know, it gave me a little more variety of, of people to use. So instead of just having one or two voices, I got to do like three or four. Eh, I did that. That was for me. So <laughs> deal, with, deal with it. That's right. <clears throat> All right. So what, what do we have? Let me... Pardon the noise, that's my notebook. Next chapter, we have The Last Village. Yes, right, because when they got left off, Kinch said that Camelin was two days' walk away. They're they're almost there to Camelin, and as far as the boys knew, Camelin, it's going to work out one way, some way, somehow. It has to. That's this, basically the premise that Rand has. It has to somehow work out. Yeah. So we'll see how they do on the last uh, jaunt towards Camelin. Rich? This was good. I enjoyed the time. I will be, uh, let's see, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be sleeping it out in the stables. I had a rough night. Sorry. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> what are you going to be doing? I'm trying not to get stabbed by somebody trying to kill me in the <laughs> night. That's, that's my goal. Trying not to get stabbed. That's a good goal. I like that goal. I'm a fan <laughs> of that goal. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. See ya. Bye. Now that our heroic trio have left the familiar confines of the two rivers, they find themselves being chased by all sorts of denizens of the Dark One. Our party has been scattered, and the boys separated from Marvrain and Land. Let us hope that luck, or some other force, can keep them safe. Uh, Bill? Bill? Billiam! Put that dagger down! You have no idea where in creation that's been! No, no, Rich. I don't have an extra cloak with me. Maybe if you didn't ride your horse straight into the Aranel, you wouldn't have this problem, hmm? For crying out loud, Robert! 
I know that girl from Verlon said weird things to you, but you shouldn't let it get under your skin so much. What are you, Eleven? You all remind me of a younger version of myself. Why, back in Watch Hill, I would... friends, this is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Uh, that's twenty. That's that ten minutes of our life, Rich. We're never getting back. Nope. <laughs> okay, so going forward now, when we're on, can can you just remind me hit record? Oh, I can. <laughs> I do it to Bill. All right, I think we found our bloopers for the end of the pod. Yes.